0: Going to start on a new sermon series this morning, being on the run, and uh, I don't believe I've preached on this this sermon or this man. Probably I remember it was the first sermon I ever preached. I preached on Jonah and the whale, and so I'm going to start off in Jonah today, uh, called on the run. So many times, a lot of us today run from the Lord. Amen. You say, Brother George, I'm in church every Sunday. I sit right here on this row. You can be in church every Sunday, and our heart can run from God. And I, and I truly believe this is where God really starts to use the church, is when we, even though we're in the church building every Sunday, and our hearts quit running from God, we start going after and seeking His will. We start experiencing God then in a way we've never experienced Him before. And then God starts using us in His purpose and plan. And this, and this is what God does not only just for one person, He wants to do it across the whole church. But he, if, he, if He's going to, if He's going to use the whole church body, God's got to get us where we're not running all the time. Amen. How I many of y'all ever run from God? Boy, if you didn't run, everybody in here has run from God at one time. I mean, I remember this is how God. I ran from God for years and years and years and, and and God finally got me to be in His plan and His will where He wanted me to be just the one thing He wanted me to be, and that was to preach His word. I mean, I tried many other things and had a great job here and there, but God said I got one thing for you I want you to do and if i you know if he he kept telling me that for years and years and years, I said, uh, no way, but it's amazing how God isn't it amazing how you look today and see where God's got you and you thought, man, I thought I'd never be doing what I'm doing for God today. That's just amazing of God. I, I Talking about running, I was thinking about this when I was preparing this sermon on running. I remember what we did. When I worked at StratCorp, we used to play pranks on each other all the time. I mean, that's what got us through the day on the job out at StratCorp was playing jokes. And, and there's a guy that some of you all probably know. He, used to, he still works there. His name's Rick Lively. And Rick is about five foot four and about five foot four this way. I mean, he is just, he's all chunk. He's all there. Rick is all there. And one thing Rick was scared of when we figured this out, Rick was scared of mice. Big old boy, you know. Big old hefty boy is scared of mice. So here's what we did one day. We was in the lockers back there in the locker room and, and we always took our hard hats and we hung them on the inside of the locker and our ball caps and put our hard hats on and get ready to go out to the job site. Well what we did on this day, we come in on the last break and and uh, <clears throat> we took the mouse, we killed one of them mouse. You know, they found it killed it. We duct taped it to the inside of his ball cap. Oh, wow. Under we duct taped the mouse's tail. Oh, no. to his ball cap and left it hanging in there. Well, we all come in there at 3 o'clock to go home and guys were talking about what we were going to do and take our families here and go do this and all of a sudden it sounded like an earthquake. <laughs> These lockers were up on concrete pier just about 4 inches tall. One of them fell plumb over. It wasn't bolted. He he put his cap on and turned around and when he did, that mouse was swinging right here. <laughs> And the first thing he did was go backwards and he run into the lockers and he knocked one whole set of lockers off. He was running doing all he could do to get away from that mouse. But that mouse was always right there. I mean, he, he, he fought and finally he figured out to take the hat off. But he run for 50 yards before he took his hat off. He could not outrun that mouse. And today, when, when, listen, when God's after you and He's got a special plan and He's got a special word, and God's got a word for everybody in here. If you're a child of God this morning, He's got a word for His purpose and His plan. And it doesn't matter what we do, we're not going to outrun God. He may let us go here and do this and we may think we're getting away and we may think that, hey, this isn't too bad. God, listen, if you're a child of God and He's got a word for you and we run from Him, God is going to go after you with all of His heart, all of His soul. He's going to go after you. He's going to go after you to try to get you to complete that word. And I want to read this in Jonah. I love, how many of y'all, we've heard Jonah since VBS. I've heard Jonah and the whale all my life, but it, it becomes so real when your heart is running from God. Look what it says in Jonah chapter 1. It says, Now the word of the Lord came to Jonah, the son of Amittai, saying, Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and cry out against it, for their wickedness has come up before me. But Jonah arose to flee to Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. And he went down to Joppa and found a ship going to Tarshish. So he paid the fare and he went down onto it and to go with them to Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. But the Lord sent out a great wind of, on the sea. And there was a mighty tempest on the sea. So that the ship was about to be broken up. Then the mariners were afraid. Every man cried out to his God. Remember this. I want you to see how their tone changes. It says, "...every mind cried out to his God and threw the cargo and was in the ship into the sea to lighten the load. But Jonah had gone down into the lowest parts of the ship, and he had lain down and was fast asleep. So the captain came to him and said to him, "'What do you mean, sleeper? Arise, call on your God. Perhaps your God will consider us so that we may not perish.'" And they said to one another, Come, let us cast lots that we may know who, this, who caused this trouble has come upon us. So they cast lots, and the lot fell on Jonah. They said to him, Please tell us, for whose cause is this trouble upon us? What is your occupation? And where do you come from? What is your country and what of your people? I, you know their eyes got big when he said, I'm a preacher. <laughs> it was over with. In verse 9, And it said to him, I'm a Hebrew, and I fear the Lord, the God of heaven, who made the sea and the dry land. Then the men were exceedingly afraid and said to him, Why have you done this? For the men knew that he had fled the presence of the Lord because he told them. They said to him, What shall we do with you, to you that the sea may be calm for us? For the sea was growing more and more temptress. He said to them, pick me up and throw me into the sea. Then the sea will become calm for you, for I will know that this great tempest is because of me. Nevertheless, the men rowed hard to return to the land, but they could not. For the sea continued to grow more and more tempestous against them. Therefore they cried out to the Lord and said, we pray, O Lord, please do not let us perish for this man's life. Do not charge us with innocent blood, for you, O Lord, have done as it pleased you. So they picked Jonah up, and they threw him into the sea, and the sea ceased with all of its raging. Then the men feared the Lord exceedingly, and offered a sacrifice to the Lord, and took vows. Now the Lord had prepared a great fish to swallow Jonah, and Jonah was in the belly of the fish three days and three nights." Heavenly Father, we just thank You for this Word this morning. And Lord, we're just thankful that You're so faithful to us. Even when You give us a word and You speak to our hearts, You give us direction, Lord. And, and sometimes we're, we rebel and we go the, the, the opposite direction. Lord, I'm thankful today and, and just so thankful we serve a God that's faithful to go after us. No matter where we try to run, God, we can never outrun Your presence and Your will. Lord, I pray you have your way in this service this morning and with your word in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, I love this story on Jonah. God comes to him, and, and it doesn't seem like a lot. It, go back to verse one, Michelle. It says that, the, that, he was, that that Jonah, the word of the Lord, come to Jonah. Now God come to Jonah and said, "Listen, Jonah, here's what I want you to do. I want you to rise." Then verse 2, I want you to arise and go to Nineveh, that great city, and cry out against it, for wickedness has come upon him. He said, this city of Nineveh, it was a great city. The Bible calls it a large city. It was some 60 miles long. This city was a giant city. And, but one thing about Jonah, the reason he was so uptight about going was, there was two things really. He did not like the Ninevites. And number two, I believe if he thought if he went over and preached to them and they got saved, he would really not like them. Amen? You got people like that, you would love to see them come to church, but you just don't like them. Amen? And then if they come to church, they'll get saved, and that'll be worse because you've got to go to heaven with them. Spend eternity with someone you don't like. This is what Jonah felt like. He said, Lord, I am not going to preach them to They're wicked people. Look what they've done to Israel. They've, he might even have family members that got killed. These guys would kill you and strap you up outside their city and show everybody they're killed. Or they would cut their heads off and put them on sticks and line them up against the wall of the city of all the people. It didn't matter if you was a child, an adult. They were, very, they were just very, very wicked people. And he said, I'm not going to them people. He said, Lord, you want to kill them? Kill them. I'm gone. He said, you're powerful enough to kill him. I don't need to go preach. Just kill him. It says that he went down. Now, this happens every time when we, when we resist the word of the Lord. And, and God gives everyone in here a word, okay? It may not be preaching this morning. It may not be, it may be something about your family. It may be about someone on your job. It may be something just about you and your own heart that nobody knows about. But God is, it says, arise, and he's given you a word or some change in our lives. You don't mean that he's calling you to preach this morning because I'm preaching on Jonah. I'm talking about our individual walks with God this morning. We all run from something. I knew this wasn't going to be an amen and highly duty (laughs) sermon. Because when I preach about run, because a lot of us are runners. It's easier to run to Tarsus than it is to obey the will of God. I've been. I can preach on this, guys, because I've, I've been. I've been on the run before, and it's this. And it's it's not a happy, happy road when you're on the run, running away from what God has called you to do. You will be miserable, miserable, miserable the rest of your life. I know. I've been there, Miss Polly. I run from God for years. Him calling me to preach His Word and, and to be a pastor and just to lead. And, and I said, no, Lord, I've seen preachers come and go. I know how the church treats them. I don't want no part of it. I'm not going to be a preacher that preaches three years and then gets up and moves somewhere else. I've seen preachers come. I've seen them go. The preacher gets blamed for everything. <laughs> Amen? I mean, it, it, when the church is good, he's a good guy. When things go bad, it's the preacher's fault. Amen? That's just the way that comes with the territory. And I didn't want that. And so God has given each one of us a word in here. You may not be preaching, but He's given you a word to do something. And it says that He went down to Joppa to catch a ship going to Tarsus. And what cracks me up was, listen, Nineveh by land was only about 500 miles but if he got in a boat and planned on going to Nineveh, it was about 2,000 to 3,000 miles. But isn't that the way we are when, when we don't want to do something that God tells us to do? I'd rather get in a boat and go 2,000 miles than to walk at 500 and be in his wheel. Amen? That's the way all of us are. I would run and run and run to get away from God. I don't care if, it, I, don't care if I had to go 4,000 miles to get away from God. That's better than two miles obeying him. And it's a real short... Listen, obedience is the shortest road. But we do not see it because we run. So Jonah goes down and gets in a boat. I love that part. It says that he went down. Ever since God called him and he rebelled, everything in Jonah's life went down, down, down. We're going to see that in a minute. He went down to, Tar- he went down to Joppa, and it says that he had to pay a fare. And then when he got on the ship, it says he went down in the ship. Into the bottom of the ship. And then they take off. Now, they're, they're out in this ship, and they get out in the middle. Of, I bet Jonah's like, man, I have, I'm not preaching to Ninevites. I don't like them. My dad talked about the Ninevites. They're mean, wicked people. God can just cast His judgment on them. I'm down here in the bottom of this ship. Now, this takes somebody to be really rebelling from God if you can go to sleep in the bottom of a ship. When a storm is coming... We're not talking about these little thunderstorms. We're talking about hurricane-style winds. It says God God made the wind come. You say, well, George, did did God do all this? God allowed all this to happen and created all this trying to get Jonah's attention. But Jonah said, not doing it, not doing it. How many of y'all, God has asked you to do something and you can come up with at least, minimum 25 reasons why I don't have to do it? Sometimes when God, listen, sometimes I wonder why, God, you sure this is your will? I don't want to go to that person on the job and talk to them about you and the gospel. I don't like them. I just just got into it with them last week. Lord, you apparently don't remember how they treated me. Like God's going to forget. He spoke it into existence, guys. He knows what we're going to speak before. He knows what's in our heart before we say it. He's not going to forget something that happened to you. Somebody that hurt your feelings or somebody that did this. He don't forget that. God says, I don't want you to forget. I want you to get around it and continue to do my will. And so Jonah gets into into this boat. And I love this because when 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 we, whatever the word is God's gave you, and everyone in here is a child of God. He's given you a word for something for him. Now it don't necessarily have to be in this church. On, it could be working in this church, teaching in this church, doing something in ministry in this church. But this could be something about in your family. It could be something that God has spoken to you about on your job, but you went to Joppa and left it. He told you six months ago. But you went the other way and said, No, God, I can't do that. I love you. I'll serve you every Sunday. I'll put you first in my life. But I cannot do what you just asked me to do. Been there, amen? Well, this is a quiet. I love it when we're quiet. (laughs) God may have asked you something last week, driving from your house to your job, and you disobeyed him. And went to Tarshish. Got you a ship and was going the other way. And see... Every time we disobey God, listen, when God gives us a word and we go the way, it costs us something. It costs you time. It costs costs us money, peace, joy. It'll cost you mentally. It'll cost you physically. And this is why a lot of Christians don't have joy is because they're fleeing from the presence of God. And and necessarily you're not fleeing from something, a big sin. (laughs) Amen? Jonah didn't flee from a big sin. He flee. God wanting to speak to the Ninevites and go preach the gospel. When you surrendered and preached, Jonah, you said, Lord, I will preach the gospel. Now, go preach to somebody you don't like. So he was running from God. It wasn't like he committed adultery and did this, some big sin that we all categorize as big sin. He just didn't, he didn't. It was still sin because he didn't want to preach the word. It just wasn't something that was really eye-glaring. He had all rights. He could have took a survey around that town and said, Listen, God has asked me to do something. Would you sign this petition for me? Do you think I really should go preach to them Ninevites? Would you sign this, yes or no? He could have got 25000 and said, Stay where you're at, go down and get on that ship. But see, God's not always asking us to go with the popular and what's most popular by our peers and people around us. He wants us to go by the truth of His Word. Not by what people think is popular to go do. I mean, if we did that every time, I could, have every, I could have this world on my side and everything I did. Amen? Well, God's asked me to do this, and this is really hard for me. What do you think I ought to do, world? Well, I would. you just be your own man, George. Do what you want to do. Here's a big one. Do what makes you happy. Here's a big one. If I was you, just do whatever makes you happy. Listen, you can do what makes you happy and still rebel and be going down to Tarsus the wrong way and be slapped down out of God's will. And still feel like you're happy. I think he was happy. I think he got... Jonah think he got away with it. He said, wow. Man, I get on a ship... And, and and you know what? I, here's, and here's what we do. We blame God's will for a lot of stuff when it's not God's will. I think he had his big old backpack full of stuff, had buying sausages and all of his shoes and sandals in there, crackers getting ready to go on this ship. And he goes down there and he, hears the, he has to pay a fare to go on. And I think he gets there and he says, Oh, he pulls out his wallet and it was $25 to get on the ship and he only had 20 He said, oh man, what am I going to do? I I just used my imagination. I think the guy beside him said, hey buddy, you down on your luck? Yeah, you got five. Here's five dollars. And I think Jonah said, oh thank you, Jesus. You blessed me with five. (laughs) See how we do that? Just because the guy giving five dollars don't mean, well this must mean I'm in God's will. Still running right away from God. God opened the door. He got his fare paid. He opened his door. He got on a ship. He got even opened the door for him to go in the bottom of the ship to get away from all the crowd and get some nice beds and go to sleep. And he's laying back here thinking, you know what? God told me that, but I think I'm smarter than God. It must not have been His will, because God has opened door after door for me to get on his ship. It was really easy. It's a whole lot harder to go to Nineveh than it is to get on this ship. So it must be God's will. God's fixing to show him something. Amen. God will allow us and make us feel like we're happy. And he'll allow things to open and we'll still be disobedient, going the wrong way. He's asleep in the bottom of the ship. Go to that one, Michelle in in verse uh, the mariner, then the mariner, he's in the bottom of the ship, and the mariners or the sailors said, Every man cried out to his God. They didn't cry out to thee, Lord. Okay? They weren't crying out to Jehovah God, the great I am. It was a different God. Than what Jonah was serving, it wasn't the almighty I am, this is their God. And I love this, they change before Jonah does. It says that the the sailors were afraid and every man cried out to his God and threw cargo. They're they're throwing cargo and food and, and everything over the ship, boxes one at a time. They're about to drown, they're afraid. And it says that the ship was into the sea to lighten the load. But Jonah had gone down to the lowest parts of the ship and laying down and was... Fa- How far out of the will of God you got to be out of the will of God to fall asleep in the middle of a hurricane? Amen. I mean to go down and to fall asleep in the middle of a boat during hurricane... Uh, what's that one that hit? Katrina. Katrina. Now, let me just put it to you this way. You got your little... Let's say David takes his, uh, bat, his uh, where's his, not a bass tracker, Ranger. Say David goes out there and it's a double decker Ranger and he goes out there at the bottom of, and Katrina's coming in on the sea and David says, oh, George, go ahead and manhandle. I'm going down and taking a nap. And I'm up there fighting and I'm throwing his pose overboard. I'm throwing his lunchbox out. I'm throwing the anchor out. I'm throwing, David! And he's down there just sleeping. How far out of the will of God you got to be to sleep during a catastrophe? This tells me that Jonah is way out of the will of God. He can sleep when a storm is going on around him. Go to the next verse, Michelle. It says, "So the captain, I love this. He's a preacher sleeping, and it takes a bunch of idol, idol worshippers that don't know God. They're lost. They don't know Jesus Christ the captain comes to him and said to him what do you mean you're asleep he says get up call upon your God perhaps your God will spare our lives or consider us so that we will not die and they said to one another come let us cast lots that we may know who's caused this trouble it's come upon us so they they cast lots and the lots fell on Jonah and they said to him, "Please tell us who causes this trouble upon us. Who is your? What is your occupation?" And I love this. All, they brought him up and woke him up, and they sitting there holding on to the side of the ship. And they said, "Who are you?" And Jonah's going, "Oh, I don't want to tell him I'm a preacher. I don't want to tell him I'm a prophet. Who are you? Why is this storm come upon us like this and almost going to kill us?" And Jonah says. I'm a Baptist preacher. And that killed them in. And they said, What? You're a preacher down sleeping with this storm? You should be we've been praying and praying. You're the one that needs to be praying. You're the one you're the one that can give us the help. And Jonah was so far, he was so angry at God, he did not like the Ninevites, you would think he would kneel down right there and surrender to God and say, Heavenly Father, I am so sorry. I can't believe I took your word this far and rebelled this far and got away from you so far that I put these men's lives in jeopardy. That this sea come upon us in this storm, Lord. I, I'm sorry. He didn't say none of that. Instead of, instead of repenting, he says, Throw me overboard. <laughs> now, how far from God do you got to be? All you got to do is be in the knee and ask for forgiveness. And you don't, I mean, so hard hearted that you don't like the Ninevites that you'd rather for them to throw you in the sea. Well, the guys in the boat said, No, nah, we don't want to, you know, we're not killers. We just want you to pray. He said, I'm not praying. He said, I'm a Hebrew. I serve the God that created this sea, this storm, this boat. He breathed life into all of us. He's Jehovah Jireh, my supplier. He's Jehovah Rafi, my healer. He's Emmanuel. He said, I serve Him. And He said, I'm not repentant. Throw me overboard. And the guys, and this is just like a church group. Somebody gets in trouble in church. They rebel. And the well, first thing we want to do, we want to help them out. Amen? we'll make them repent we'll help them repent you can't help nobody repent amen Amen? Amen. it says they took off and said here we're not throwing you overboard everybody get a everybody get a paddle we're going to paddle this baby back to dry land this is a giant ship they said we're paddling everybody get the paddle it says when they went to paddling this is why it tells me that this wasn't just a regular storm this storm wasn't physical this was a spiritual storm that come upon that boat And a lot of storms that we're in today, y'all listen. The lot of storms that just didn't happen, be happenstance. A lot of storms and things that we're going through spiritually, they're spiritual storms that God is trying to wake us up. We have either rebelled, we have either run from Him. You may be on that boat today, you may be down in the boat saying, I'm not doing that. I'd rather be thrown overboard than say, I'm sorry. Been there, done that, bought that (laughs) t-shirt. I've told God many times, (laughs) I'm a preacher, I ain't about to say, I'm sorry. (laughs) Amen? Amen. Especially when I didn't do nothing. Amen? Amen. How many of you ever got sucked into a problem and you didn't do it? (laughs) Happens every day. Now listen, a lot of times we're in the situations we're in because we sin. Okay, I mean, we just flat out sin and we're there because of our sin. But there's some things that people suck us into. And we get drawn into that and we we in the same storm with them. And I love, they finally said, well, we're going to help you row and get you out of this. We're going to help you repent. We're going to help you obey. We're going to help you go on the you, I found this out as a preacher years ago. You can't help nobody do that. Now, I can preach the Word to them and say, listen, we need to repent. We need to go in this direction. This is what will happen when we do. This is when the blessings of God will come upon us. But if they're going to stand up and toenail it and rebel and say, I'm not doing it, then throw them overboard. Amen? Amen? Throw them overboard. Because when they do, it's a spiritual... You think it's funny? I'm preaching truth here. Sometimes to save a whole church to save your marriage. You can't make them come to God. You can't make them get saved. You can't make them repent. You can't make them say, I'm sorry. Amen? And so they said, well, they rode and rode and rode and rode and it got stronger and stronger. And the thing about it is when you're in a spiritual storm and you're rebelling and running from God, you're going to get other people in your storm too. And they're going to try to help you. They're going to try to pray with you. They're going to ask you to come to church. They're going to ask you to come to their Bible study. And the whole time, it's just getting hard. We'll help you with this problem. And the problem is, guys, I come to know, I can only help so much. It's like an alcoholic. He's got to admit he's an alcoholic. That's the first step in AAA. Admit that you're an Alcoholic. See, that's the hardest thing for us to do. Not calling you an alcoholic. The hardest thing for us to do is admit that, God, I'm wrong. How many of y'all had that problem? Come on, you bunch of Halo Baptists, get your hand up. <laughs> I know ain't everybody in here all holier now. Amen. I mean, I ask a question, how many of y'all tell God that you were wrong? You have, have a hard time doing that? Oh, not us. We do it every day. Maybe not on the level of Jonah preaching to a bunch of Ninevites. But we do it in the simple little voices that God whispers to us. The little convictions we run to Tarshish. Nope, I'm not doing them, God. I'm not doing it. And then we wonder. And then we complain. We wonder why we're spiritually dead. We have no spiritual joy. We don't know why we can't feel God. It's because we say No. God's not going to force His way in. You ever seen that picture where Jesus in Revelation says, Behold, I stand at the door and knock? Did you ever notice? Have you ever seen one in pictures? The doorknob's on the inside, not on the out. God is not going to force Himself into our lives and make Himself become more powerful, more real, more holy, more, more healing or anything until we open the door and let Him come in. That's just the God we serve, guys. Yes, He willfully sent His Son to the cross to die for us. But He is not going to break your door down to get into your hard heart. He's not going to. He wants it opened up and kneel down and say, Jesus, here I am. That's how you got saved. What makes it any different than how we live our Christian life? If it took surrender, amen? And repentance to be saved, what makes you think you can serve God any other way the rest of your life? You serve Him through surrender and repentance. You mean I have to do that after I get saved? Yes, sir. When you went on a job and acted like a fool, amen? Showed out and did this, and yes, it's time to repent and say, Jesus, that's not the real me. I just did that in front of all my friends and said, you've you got to repent and surrender. Repent and surrender. If you want to feel the freshness and the holiness of God, it takes that every day. Amen. Every day. Then God will show up and become real. Cause see, the Bible says in Hebrews chapter 12, to whom He loves, He chastises. You all know what that means? For whom the Lord loves, He chastens. You want to hear my version of it? GIV version. To whom he loves, he'll tend their hide. Amen? Amen? That's what he's saying. To whom he loves, he chastens. You say, you mean God will do that to his children? Do you not do that to your children when they mess up and act up? No. Well, that's why they like the act like they are. Amen? When, you, when your kid acts up, I mean, we don't do it as much nowadays. When I acted up as a child, there was no question Dad was fixing to 10 my little blessed assurance. <laughs> to all these kids that don't know today, he's fixing to tan my hide. He was fixing to spank me with a belt. If I acted up in church or I made, if I made a bad grade or I did something at school I shouldn't, it didn't bother me when Mom whipped me. Amen. It really didn't bother me when she whipped. I, I would let on, though, like it was, oh, 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 oh. She'd leave the room when I'd tell my brother, that didn't even hurt, man. That's good. <laughs> we got out of that one. I said, all you got to do is when she comes in to whip you, just jump like this and say, ow, oh, ow. Oh. She'll think that she's tearing you up. The only problem is she figured out real quick the next time we got in trouble. It didn't bother me to act up and step out of line. I said, mom's going to whip us. We can do what we want. She said, I'm not whipping y'all today. I said, what? I'm going to let your daddy do it when he gets home. Ho-ho! I knew when daddy walked in the door, it's on. It was on like Donkey Kong. Amen? I mean, it was on. There wasn't no faking it when daddy got a hold of you with the belt. I didn't sit there and go, oh, oh. I tried to run and he kept holding on. <laughs> it didn't matter. We'd go in circles. He'd hold, he never would let go. But he would always chastise us when we got out of line. Guys, what is so different being a child of the king? What do you expect if we rebel and disobedient and run the opposite direction from a holy God? The Bible says that, listen, there's no greater thing to be in the hands of a living, angry God. Nothing worse. And so if when my dad comes home, he's nothing compared to God, you say, "Well, he's not spanking me, then you need to figure out whose kids you are. <laughs> Amen? Because he will chastise those he loves. And so it cost Jonah something in his ship to run from God. And then they throw him overboard. They finally they throw him overboard. And you think it said the Bible says that the seas went calm. I bet that captain said, "Yep, that's the problem right there." Look at the sky, sun's coming out. And Jonah thought it was the end of his life. He thought when he got thrown overboard, he I know what he is thinking. I don't have to preach the Ninevites. I can go to heaven. I'm going to see Jesus at the pearly gates. I'm going to kneel at His feet. No, because you know what God did. Go to that verse. It, so they picked Him up. It says the Lord prepared a great fish to swallow Jonah. Now I've read this story. My, I've been I've been around this story, Jonah and the whale, all my life. VBS as little kid, I know about Jonah and the whale. We have taught Jonah and the whale thousands of times. Everybody thinks the miracle is that the fish came up and swallowed Jonah. That's not very... uh, Today, we could throw somebody out in the ocean. There is whales. There is bull sharks big enough to swallow a whole man. That's not the miracle. The miracle is the fish was obedient more than Jonah was. I believe that fish was after about five miles away from that ship. And God said, Whaley, Whaley! I think He called him Bubba. Amen? Bubba! Bubba! Bubba, come get this drowned man up. He's still not completed my word. Come get him. He was five miles out swimming with the herd. And I think he went, got to go guys. God's calling. <laughs> and that fish swam for five miles. Before they threw him overboard, the whale was on his way. The whale was already on the scene when he got thrown in. And when they threw him overboard, Jonah's going, Thank you, Jesus, I'm going to heaven. And when he went in that water, and I believe he could see them sailors looking at him, all of a sudden he felt something just just inhaling. And the next thing, he woke up. Wouldn't that be a scary sight? Woke up in the belly of a large fish. Probably a whale. Could have been a big shark. Somebody said, I don't believe God could create a whale. He didn't create a whale. He prepared one to come to him. Big enough to swallow... Listen, I tell people, my God's big enough to do whatever He wants to do. The Bible says nothing is impossible to God. Amen? (laughs) Amen. Nothing. Listen, He could have created a crawl dead and swallowed if He wanted to. And made it go backwards for five miles to get there. That's how big God is. See, we limit God in our everyday life. God, this problem I'm in right now, I'm going to have to turn this over to the... uh, Uh, financial committee or something. I I can't handle this one. God says, I've got it, no problem. I'm already preparing a fish to head your way. And Jonah wakes up in the bottom of this well and there's seaweed everywhere. There's pieces of tuna. Carcasses of fish laying there. And he's there for... I want to go to that. It says, now the Lord prepared a great fish to swallow Jonah. And Jonah was in the belly of the fish. For three days and three nights. That's the greatest motel fee. That's 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 the best motel he ever got. Three days and three nights free in the whale motel. (laughs) Amen? That's a good one. The whale motel. And as he comes to... Now, y'all got to listen. This is a hard, hard hard-hearted man. God says, go preach to the Ninevites. He says, no, Lord, I don't like them. I'm not going. I'm going to Joppa. He goes to Joppa and then he goes down to Joppa. Then he pays the fare and gets a boat and goes down into the boat. Then he's still rebelling, won't pray and won't pray and won't pray and surrender and repent. They throw him overboard. Now he's about to die from drowning and a fish swallows him and he wakes up and took all of that. Then it starts off in verse 2, in chapter 2. Did I give you that one? Look what it says, the very first word. What's that say, guys? That's where God's trying to get you this morning. You may be running from God. It may be something small. I'm not saying it's preaching or teaching or leading up public. But it's something that God is destined you to do. He's going to do everything. He's going to allow storms to come. He's going to let you run for a while and let it feel good. Then a fish is going to come swallow you. Then... We'll pray to God. It took all of this. Then Jonah prayed. And I, I don't want to preach on the next part next week, but here's what happened. That fish was swimming for three days and three nights. You know where I think it was going? Toward him. I think it went back to the point of his disobedience. It went back to Joppa. I think it went back... Toward his point where he first disobeyed God. And can you imagine that fish swimming up there like that? He's praying. Y'all, y'all can read it. Read on in chapter 1 there at the end of, of his prayer of repentance. He repented. He didn't... Now listen. He didn't say, I'm sorry. There's a difference. A lot of people are sorry for their sins. They just don't repent. There's a difference. There's a difference in saying, I'm sorry, Lord. And, repent, and repenting is turning and going the other way. Sorry is I'm sorry, Lord, but I keep doing what I'm doing. Here's what Charles Spurgeon said. He said, a true child of God cannot sin and sin successfully. A true, if you're a true child of God, you're going to sin. You just can't do it successfully. Without the conviction of God on your life, your heart, all the time. God may prepare fish for you. But can you imagine? I'm I'm just, man, see, I like to imagine this stuff. But I can imagine there's an old boy that's got about a six pack of Bud Light sitting in his lawn chair. Might have been from Cabela's. And he's sitting there. And he's throwing out fishing. About this time, all of a sudden, the water parts. He's got his fishing hat on. He's about half drunk. Man, this big old giant whale slides up and goes, what? And Jonah just comes vomiting out. I know we're fixing need. Hang on. <laughs> They'll be gone when you get there as long as I preach. And that guy's sitting in that lawn chair and he looks over. And the first thing known, here's a guy that gets vomited out on the beach. And he's laying on his side. And I believe he had his Bible under his armpit. And I believe, what did God tell him to do back in chapter 1? Go preach to the Ninevites. He had one message. Forty days, Nineveh will be destroyed. That was, what he, that was the title of his sermon. Forty days, Nineveh will be destroyed. I believe when he hit that ship, Michelle, hit that bank, and he rolled out of that vomit on the ground, he jumps up and he's got his Bible in his hand, seaweed hanging off of him. He looked like dreadlocks. He's bleached out snow white because he's been in the stomach acid of a well for three days. His clothes have got holes. He's really holy now, amen? I mean, they're just... It looks like Gilligan's... He goes, repent and be saved in 40 days. This den is going to be destroyed. And that guy's just a cranking man. I mean, he, he kneels down and says, I want Jesus. Because God already used... He didn't even have to preach. And God used his rebellious situation to see all them sailors get saved. It says after they threw him overboard. See, Jonah was rebelling from God and people were getting saved all around him. See, you never know how God's going to work things out. It says they made a sacrifice and they bowed down and prayed to God. They said, man, we need to be serving this God. This is the one true God. People got saved even though he's... Isn't it amazing how God uses us in spite of us? (laughs) <laughs> he still gets His will done. He still sees lives changed. Even when we're rebellious and don't want to do it, God, I'm not doing it. How many of y'all ever told God no? Here's what He's trying to do. If you're, if you're running in here today, God is using situation after situation. He's using different things. Because see, God's call on a man's life is irreversible. I didn't say it. God's Word says it when you've been called you're called brother you say well I'm not called to preach you may be called to be a prayer warrior you may be called to be somebody on your job that leads somebody the Lord on your job and more than likely here's what happened God's already given you a word to go to the meanest ugliest dude there that you don't like the one that gets under your skin on the job how many of y'all got them? I'm glad we got two or three honest ones. Everybody else is going, no, my job's not like that. It's in the church. I know it's on your job like that. But God is taking you and He's preparing you. He wants you to go back to your point. When did you first tell God no? And see, God's trying to bring you back to that point and He's wanting us to repent. He's wanting to say, Lord, I should have... Did it your way the first way, Lord? I'm sorry that I went and got on a ship. <laughs> sorry I got thrown overboard. Sorry I got eat up by whale. Got puked out on the bank. Now I'm going, Lord. Amen. Don't let that have to take effect before you obey God. Because it's remember, disobeying God cost us a bunch. It's costed marriages. It's costed churches splits. I mean, just look around. What all disobedience has caused families and churches just up and down seventy. And I pray that that never that that spirit of disobedience never comes to this church body. That we're spiritually mature enough to say, "Hey, I'm running from God." And I thought i have been happy this whole time. And I haven't been. When all I had to do was just kneel down and pray in repentance. And God would lift me up and bring me right back into His arms. He's not going to say, He's not going to tell you, He's not going to look at you and say, Now listen, I'm about this far just to release you forever and never allowing you to come back. Aren't you thankful God doesn't do that? Aren't you thankful we serve a God with sex? You know, I hear this all the time. Thankful, I serve a God of second chance. No, you don't. Third, fourth, fifth, sixth, seventh, eighth, ninth, tenth. Some of us are on the twentieth. Amen. God said, "Man, you on the fiftieth, George." When I called you, because I was hard, hard, hard headed. Did not want to preach. Because if I, you know, if I preach, somebody's not going to like me and hurt my feelings. God prepared me a fish real quick and swallowed me and said, get over it. (laughs) Be instant in season and out of season. Preach the truth and I'll do the rest. I will do the rest. Amen. Amen. That's all God wants us to do. Just be obedient. Follow Him in season and out of season. He said, I'll take care of your family. I'll take care of your finances. I'll take care of this church. Let's all stand quietly. Heavenly Father. Lord I thank you for today Lord there may be someone standing here this morning That that it was exactly where I was at 17 years ago Of just on the run from God Not just for a month But years running from God Nobody ever knew it My friends didn't even know The church people I went with didn't know But deep down in my heart I was so far and so tired from running Running, running, running I was on the run of what God wanted me to do. And see, the devil's here today. This is what the devil wants us to do. He wants us to cast fear. Because see, the Bible says God, we serve a God that He's love, power, and a sound mind. He, he, he's not of fear. If he's casting out fear, guys, it's not of God. We don't serve a God that gives us fear. And I don't know where you're at this morning if you're running from something in your marriage, running something from your kids, running something that God has spoke to you to do in this church, on your job. But I know everybody has a heart in you. If you're a child of God, He has spoken a word in your spirit to do something for Him. Now, what did you do with that word when He spoke it? Did you run the other way? or? Maybe you didn't run exactly right then. Maybe you just kind of easily, casually crept away from Him. You know what? God's still coming after you. If you're His child this morning, He knows where you're at. The Bible said He tried to flee from the presence of God. That was He was trying to flee from the will of God. None of us can get away from the presence of God. I don't care if you go to heaven, you go to hell, no matter how deep and how wide, God is still there. but but the thing about God is today guys he's standing here with his arms wide open he's not standing there with a stick ready to get onto you he's there saying I love you I got so much more for you than what you've been running from I got so much more you want to experience my love and my joy and my peace and my happiness you want to see me move mightily by my spirit in your church and in your family quit running just be still this morning and know that I'm God listen to my spirit speaking to you right now listen to my words I'm not here to hurt you but I'm here to lift you up He wants to lift this church up this morning He wants this church body to leave here this morning encouraged, not discouraged, amen He wants you to be lifted up He wants your marriage to be lifted up he wants your relationship with your kids to be lifted up not always fighting he wants you to experience joy and we got a lot of Christians in church today guys that aren't experiencing none of that Christian joy they're worse they, they look and feel and smell worse than a lost person isn't it time to let God turn that around this morning And you let him to have control and say, come. He says, come to me all you that are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Come to me. My yoke is easy and my burden is light. Come and get that burden off your shoulder this morning. And and they all, Jesus, come and have your way in this service this morning. And all God's people saying, amen, come this morning as the altars are open. Come, don't run from God no more. Come and give it back to him. He's standing with his arms wide open.